This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. And they're on their way to the American League championship series as they knock off the new york yankees two to one coming up we'll recap the action from this past week take a look around major league baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game just a swing and a drive hit well in the air to right mookie betts going back to the wall gone a first inning homer for randy arena number 10 of the postseason it's one nothing raise Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show. Today we'll visit with new reliever JT Shagwa about being with the Rays. Arrestes Distrada of Bally Sports Sun. We'll discuss the week gone by. In addition to that, we'll chat with prospect Greg Jones, now with Montgomery. Visit with head of pro scouting Kevin Eibach. Discuss the Players Alliance with the Rays' Denard Span and look at the AL East with Buck Martinez of the Blue Jays broadcast team. We continue on this week in race baseball, and joining us, one of the newest Rays, J.T. Shagwa. J.T., first of all, it's been kind of a whirlwind for you. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, it's nice to be here. You've had some an amazing journey, and this has been your best year to date. What's allowed it to happen, and what allowed you to continue to keep faith as you, know, you kind of bounced around a little bit in the course of your career? I think it started with Seattle showing some faith in me and wanting to bring me on board, um, but... Kind of early in the year, uh, they brought Caleb Joseph in, and between him and Kendall Grayman, they really just kind of showed me how to play the game the right way. You know, like how to how to create consistency in in my pitches, and so the the repetition of of execution and how to pitch. You know, how to how to maybe play one thing off another. Or, how to kind of look ahead and how I want to get people out and just just the age-old game of baseball, you know, something I thought was so physical for a long time, you know, it was just maybe a power game, whereas it's it's actually really slow and kind of methodical, and uh, and it's really, really awesome to be able to look at it that way. Do you think maybe, you know, everyone kind of it clicks in a different way. Do you think maybe it was said differently and the message was the same or is the message different from Caleb and Kendall than something that you had you, you had never heard from a, a coach or a fellow player in the past? I think it was definitely different. There's something about the truth that when it hits you it's it just is absolute, you know. Um, and one of the main things that was talked about was your hand position and uh, being able to execute a straight ball, four seam, down and away. Everything else plays off of that. That's the right throw. And if you can get your hand in the right place to execute that throw, everything plays off of it. And you're you're always going for that every single day. That's the goal every day, right? And I never knew that before. It was it was always just slinging in there, and uh, I don't know. Some there's there's not a lot of control in that. 
there's not a lot of uh, there's a lot of luck, you know, and kind of just tossing it up there and hoping things go well as opposed to taking control of what I do and and uh, and I prefer this way. Uh, not saying it'll work every single time. I mean, it's baseball; anything can go the hitter's way, you know. But uh, I want to put my best foot foot forward and and uh, executing my plan on a daily basis and and pitching how I want to pitch. You know, the the ball doesn't get put in play unless I, I put it in play. So there's a lot of comfort in that, especially if you know what you're doing. This game is so mental. How much have the the changes helped your mental approach, and, and what has changed there? For me, mentally, I, I, if I understand your correction, your question correctly, it's uh, the, the confidence of the day-to-day comes from knowing – that I can throw the ball where I want for the most part, you know. If you can throw the ball where you want, then then you can make the hitter move a little bit, you know. Like yeah, I can I can throw the ball in, I can throw the ball out, I can throw the ball down, I can throw the ball up, and I can make those course corrections in the middle of an at bat. Um, I can see a runner on first base with nobody out and know that it's not over, right? I have a, a ground ball pitch. There's a double play right there ahead of me. I know when I can. I need to get more of the plate in an 0-0 count, uh, you know, to start an inning or, or when it's an 0-2 situation and I can expand off and have the ability to do that and have the confidence that I can execute the pitch. But it all starts with the four seam down and away. <laughs> if, you, if I can't do that and, and find that every day, I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be very successful. You've got to have faith, too. And obviously, Caleb Joseph and Kendall Graveman had faith in you, and the Mariners had faith in the fact that they signed you. Who stood in your corner through all this that also helped you through the process? Because, you know, someone who has spent 12 years in the minor leagues, uh, myself, I'm, I'm sure that there were moments of doubt. Who helped you get through those moments? Uh, well, this year specifically, uh, Rob Marcello. He's the triple-A pitching coach for the Mariners in Tacoma and throughout spring training in the alt site he believed in my stuff I didn't think I had any stuff anymore like I'm like I'm just grateful to have a job for crying out loud and he believed in my stuff and he just refused to allow any of us at that alt site to be passive Paul Seawald was there as well really that bond and the chemistry of you know I don't know the mystery of being teammates and and Working together and, and encouraging each other is is incredible, and being able to experience that with them and the encouragement was was a lot. And your family was there, you know, loved ones who kind of pushed you along and said, "Stay with us. You, you got a shot." Uh, <laughs> I don't know so much. Like my church community back home, um, such incredible people loving on me and my my family as well my mom and dad and my grandparents and my two little sisters and but just in in our lives this is not really the end goal our end goal is is to be with with Jesus Christ in heaven and uh this is just the the path that he has me in right now and uh success or failure seeing their love for me it doesn't change regardless of what I do in this game and that's a very solid place to be you know it's just to enjoy the gifts that god has given all of us and um that's all i'm trying to do is enjoy it and not let really any of this become too much 
but it is exciting and it's thrilling and uh, I'm very grateful for it. So does that also help you with the surprise of a trade? Because I'm sure that had to kind of shock you a little bit. Yeah, shocking <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, I still have no clue. Honestly, like I, I don't know how to process it. But at the end of the day, I get to be a part of a group of men that are, they are literally here together for a singular purpose. And it is incredible to be a part of. And, but my daily process does not change. Outs is the name of the game. I'm all about executing and, and searching for that, that straight down and away fastball every day. That's, that's it. This organization has a reputation, though, for helping pitchers even further, you know, and I think a lot of it is because I've been told they simplify the message. Everyone talks about the analytics, but they just keep it simple. What have you learned in your very short time with the Rays so far? Yeah, it is a simple process. I, I, I mean, I, I've heard for years now that Snyder is the guru, and I've said I feel like I'm wearing that out already, but they, they do have a knack for developing pitching man like it's incredible to see the arms that come through here and and the success they're able to have and um yeah it's not really that complex uh it's the age-old game playing it the way it should be played get ahead trust the stuff and you know go for the hill when you when you have the opportunity again i think it's just it's Seattle as well, but and also here since I've been here the last few days, like just instilling confidence in the just the natural ability, uh, something that I feel like for me personally is difficult to see. And, you know, it's, it's just I can't really step out of myself and see it. I, I'm just throwing a fastball or I'm throwing a breaking ball, you know, and it doesn't seem that special to me. Just to hear the the trust that other people, professionals in your in your craft, you know, like that's very encouraging, and just. To just execute it, you know. You touched on the singular purpose this group has. How much did you enjoy the first celebration you got to witness? And how different was it from any other clubhouse you had been in? Everyone says how diff- how unique it is. It, it really was different. They take the five minutes, you know. It doesn't take long, but they take five minutes and just celebrate winning. It's pretty incredible. Uh, it's one of those things that really words doesn't – it doesn't sound that cool just saying it and with words. Uh, it is experiential, and uh, but it's cool what they built here, and I'm very, very grateful and honored to to be brought into this clubhouse and be able to experience it because I don't, I just don't see them bringing outsiders into something like this, you know. And it, it's like it humbles you. On the other side, Jared Sandberg was here for a bit. I didn't know how well you knew him, and when you were traded, I didn't know if he said anything or any other guy said, "Hey." You are going to like it there. We're going to miss you, but. Yes, uh, Jared, I, when I was walking out of the hotel, one of the last you know trips downstairs in Texas before I came over, he was in the lobby. And he had played against me, you know, in the minor leagues managing teams. And uh, when I when I walked down, he was like, you're going to love it, man. They they definitely have seen you for years and um, appreciate you and. Just go and enjoy it. That's literally what he told me. And obviously, so far, so good. What got you into baseball to begin with? I mean, you've had an incredible journey. I know you had Tommy John not too long after you started your career with the Twins. Um, What inspired you to to play the game? What grew your love for the game? Because obviously, to battle as you have, you have to love the game. Yeah. I don't know. Why does a writer love to write or a musician love to play music? uh, Just one of those... 
I guess, natural things that God has just put in my heart to enjoy. And just from a young age, love throwing balls in the house or loved, you know, uh, maybe it was the movie Sandlot. I don't know, you know, but I was definitely one of the kids. My dad talks about it sitting uh, in his office towards the back of the house and always heard the boom, boom, the ball hitting against the wall. I mean, making up, you know these games in my head and uh kenny rogers the greatest was one of his favorite songs just because it's that scene played out for him but uh in a lot of ways like it's emotional but thinking about my dad um as a kid like be going with him to the park and taking batting practice all those days and years it's a family affair (laughs) you always want to pitch Uh, and when did pitching become your thing Heck no, I didn't want to pitch. I hate pitching. <laughs> uh, the pitching became a thing when they told me that I'm going to pitch. But uh, nah, man, I wanted to be starting shortstop, leading off, hitting a triple in the left center gap, sliding in head first to third. Like, that was the scene in my head. But that'll never happen. Uh, but um, it's cool, man. It's all. It's a great game. It's a great game, and to be a part of it is... It's very special. Well, we welcome you to the race. We hope there are a lot of good moments during your time here, right in the center of the diamond. Maybe not at shortstop, but right in the center of the diamond and pitching in some meaningful moments for this team as this race club tries to uh, get to the postseason again for a third straight year. Thanks for joining us in this week in race baseball. Thank you. That's JT Shagwa, and we'll continue right after this on the Race Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball and time to take a look at the week gone by. And joining us right now from Valley Sports Sun is the rest is distraught. And who better to talk about the Rays, especially the way they've been going offensively, than Arrestus, who loves hitting so much. Oh, how impressive has this been to you to see this team score as it has? Dramatically impressive, Neil, uh, and also enjoyable uh, as a baseball fan, as an offensive fan. Uh, as a former player that, that, you know, enjoyed run production. One of my big things throughout my career wasn't so much the home runs. Yeah, you know, I was known as a home run hitter, but really I, I felt that I was more a run producer. And, and there's a big difference uh, to being a home run hitter and being a run producer. I mean, I can go back to uh, Logan Morrison, let's say, when he hit 38 home runs, but, you know, 27 or so were like solos and you know the rbis the run production really wasn't there for a guy that hit 38 home runs and you could think of a few others for other teams what we're doing right now is producing runs at a mad cap Uh, obviously in the last oh i'd say 18 20 games has been ridiculous even you can go back 30 games i believe we've scored seven or more runs in 18 of those games so it, it is you know, dramatic. We had a run similar to this back in May, but overall, in the totality of the season, this has been, albeit a inconsistent batting average offense, a consistently strikeout offense, uh, an offense that doesn't hit well with two strikes, the worst batting average in two strikes in the major leagues, yet they create runs. And I, I feel there's a couple of uh, reasons for that, that Maybe people overlook. So give me your take. Why is this team scored at the clip they have? What, what is, as you look at it, the big keys? The big keys have been something that uh, this uh, organization, this massive, probably top three front office, not front office, but in player development, they've been keying, if you really study it, on trying to create uh, not only the Sabermetrics, yeah, you know, 
final outcomes or true outcomes with the 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 home run walk strikeout scenario. I'm sure they're not crazy about the strikeout, but it comes with what they're trying to do because you're trying to not hit the ground ball double plays. They're number one in the major leagues in fewest ground ball double plays at 47. For example, the Yankees have 109. That's a lot of innings that you've killed your offense with. Uh, they're number one in fewest ground ball outs. So most of their outs we know are strikeouts or they're in the air. So you're not going to get doubled up. Uh, so those are two major stats. Why? Because even though they're in the lower, te- you know, lower 10, uh, right around 20th right now, they've crept up from uh, around, you know, 23rd, 24th uh, with this recent outburst. But right, you know, the, in the bottom third in batting average in the, in the 230s, they walk third in, in the major leagues. So what does that happen? It's a true, hey, Johnny, if a walk's as good as a hit. For the Rays, it is as good as a hit. Why? Because of the Trey Turner-esque type players that they've procured. If you really think about it, even as Willie Adamas went out, in came Walls, in came you know guys like uh, uh, Franco, uh, and then the dynamic of all the other players that they've already had kind of procured, a, a Margot, Kiermaier, of course, Everybody, everybody runs. Everybody has uh, at least athleticism. Uh, they're, I believe, fourth or fifth in stolen bases, something that is, was not kind of the norm for the Rays four or five years ago when you had a lot of stationary players. So even though they were hitting fly balls, home runs, strikeouts, or walks, they weren't scoring as many runs because they didn't have as many athletes. So now these walks turn into a double is hit. They, he scores now automatically. Uh, a man on second and a base hit, he scores automatically. So when you mix in the homers, which they're about sixth or seventh in the league, they're not like running away with the homer title. They're hitting at a good clip, but a lot of teams are hitting home runs, obviously, in this day and age. It's the athleticism that they didn't have a few years ago. It started coming on in 19. We saw it last year. I think this year is even better because of uh, – you know, some other the kids that we've been able to bring up and, and the dynamics of their foot speed, uh, being able to create runs along with the home runs. They're at risk, hot now, but overall, not great. As I said before, they're strikeouts. Where they're really good is walks. Where they're really good is doubles, six in the league. Where they're really good is being able to stay out of short innings with the ground ball double play. It, it, it really is an interesting combination of being a team that I call the Joey Gallo meets Trey Turner, you know, because the, uh, they are. They, they walk, strike out, or hit a home run. And then if that was it, then you don't score as many runs. But when you have the advent of all these athletic, athletic uh, players, that's how you score all these runs. And there's a couple other things that I think are at play here, Oh, First is the Nelson Cruz factor. How much has he changed the dynamic? They're tops in baseball in runs scored since he arrived. A hundred percent. They're averaging over seven runs since he arrived. Uh, you know, you could also say, believe it or not, uh, a, a kid like uh, Franco, who, who also struggled for a while, just like Nelly hasn't been crushing every game, but he's uh, ushered in a new dynamic. You got the youth and the excitement, and then you've got the veteran uh, leadership, quiet leadership, but to talk to both the Latinos and the American players. Uh, I think Nelly, I was hoping for that deal uh, for a week, and, and it came to fruition. That was the smartest. Uh, you know, I think July deal, you know, deadline deal since the Archer trade to, to Pittsburgh, where we, we know what we got there. So, uh, yeah, dramatic. And uh, we needed right-handed power. 
we got it and, and drove. I mean, because we ended up getting a leader too. No question. And the other piece of this, you you mentioned Wander. How impressive has he been? I mean, I think to the at-bat he had against the Red Sox at Fenway Park where he saw 11 pitches, you just don't see 20-year-olds do that. No, and the big change for him came about uh, about three weeks ago, and I was saying it all along. Right side, having been a former switch hitter who felt way more comfortable on the right side than I did my left, I had to work on the left side. Here's the problem. You hit like 65% of the times left-handed as opposed to, you know, 35, 40% right-handed. So I wish I saw more lefties in my career. Uh, but Wander's right-handed swing has not been in question since the moment he stepped foot in Tropicana Field that day and he hit that great home run. Uh, it's a full-on, two-handed, full, you know, just strong swing. Left side, he was feeling out the league, feeling out the pitchers. He was, you know, letting go of his top hand quite often. So then you were getting like this newspaper type of ground ball. All of a sudden, about three weeks ago, if you, if you really pay attention, somewhere, his dad, one of the Wander brothers, uh, his hitting coach from Durham, I, I don't know, but they noticed that and they said, keep your top hand on the bat. And if you see the hits that he's had lately, including the double a couple nights ago in the Minnesota game, the first game, crushed it by keeping the top hand on, then releasing it after he's made contact, not before. So that's been a massive difference. And obviously now it takes his OPS to another level. It certainly does. And with him and Nelson and the way this group has been playing, it's taken the offense to another level and it's helped this team get to another level. Oh, we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Let's hope the good times keep rolling. Hey, buddy, uh, they're not going to keep scoring nine runs a game, but I think they can still score with anybody in the, in the major leagues and the pitching. Well, uh, what I got to tell you, uh, you just put a number and a name back there and it seemed to do well. So keep it up. And that's Arrestus Gestrata of Valley Sports Sun. Before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, W237CW Pinellas Park, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and iHeart Radio Station. We continue on this week in Rays Baseball and time to take a look at things on the minor league side and joining us one of the many great stories in the Rays system, and that is Shortstop Greg Jones. Greg, thanks very much for a few minutes. No problem. Thanks for having me. First of all, let's start with your recent promotion to AA Montgomery. Um, what did it mean to you to get promoted in season? Uh, it meant a lot to me. Just, uh just goes to show that what you're doing on the field is being seen by other people, and it just makes you feel good about yourself, you know? Tell me what this year has been like for you and um, how you've learned, uh, how much you've learned, how you've grown. Well, it's been my first, my very first full season, so you know. You just got to go with the role of things, you know, you're learning as you go along. So I had to learn a lot, you know, young, first full season, learn how things operate around the clubhouse and stuff like that. But I feel like I've got a pretty firm grasp on it now. You've obviously had a successful year to this point. How is your body holding up physically? Because you mentioned this is your first full season. Last year was the pandemic. It's new to be playing 100-plus games in a year. How's your body holding up? Well, I've always played a whole bunch of baseball in my life. So, you know, I mean, even though I only played a short season last year, I had to play a whole college season. But I feel like overall this year, since it's like just in a row, you know, we had camp and stuff like that. I also had an injury earlier in the season. So I missed one week of the season. But as of right now, I feel great. Body feels good. Obviously, you have those little nicks and dings that you get during the season, but... Oh, well. Well, that's great here. And you mentioned the injury. Explain to our fans what happened. I know you had a quad injury at the end of 
the big league side of spring training and how challenging that was. Was that your first significant injury that you'd had in baseball? I wouldn't say, well, it's the one that scared me the most, I would say. So I was, uh, it's one of my last games in uh, big league spring training this year. And I was running on first baseline. My, I ruptured my quad. So had a whole bunch of bruising on my left quad, like didn't felt like I couldn't walk. And I was really like, down in the dumps, honestly, because I didn't realize how long it was going to take me to get back to where I was, or even if I even be the same when I got back. But you know, great, great staff over there with the Rays organization did a great job getting me back in, back up and going in about six weeks. So missed like a week of the season and been going strong ever since. Who helped you the most through that? You mentioned the training staff, but I'm imagining from what you said, the mental side is just as important as the physical side. Yeah, we have a great mental. Uh, mental strength program over with the Rays organization. So all of them collectively would just help me, help me talk through things and, you know, get me through the process. But Aaron Scott did a great job of getting me back on the field. The group that you had in Bowling Green uh, has put up amazing numbers. From a team perspective, how much fun has that been for you? Or how much fun was it? Oh, it was amazing. I loved that squad. It was a bunch of fun while I was there. What was the best part of it? And, and what created such a good atmosphere? Obviously, you have talent for one. Well, yeah, talent, a lot of talent. And once you start playing with the guys so much and so often, like, they become your friends, your teammates, all of that stuff. And you just want to do the most you can for them. And we had a great, great group of guys down there in Bowling Green, so we took it around with it. On the field, Greg, and we're chatting with Greg Jones, where do you think you've grown the most? The offensive side, the defensive side, base running? Where do you think you've taken the biggest step forward so far this year? I would say defensively. You know, Jeffrey Smith had me doing early work like every day down in BG, which I wasn't I wasn't opposed to it. You know, he's just trying to help me out and get me better. And obviously it worked. Like, I feel great in the infield now. But obviously I think all of my game has gotten a lot better. On the defensive side, Greg, where do you think you've taken, you know, the, the most or made the most progress? Is it backhand plays, forehand plays coming in, footwork? Arm strength, what are the little things that you've been working on? I would say footwork and just making the routine plays because those are the hardest ones sometimes. I've seen a lot of clips of some of the, the tremendous plays you've made on the defensive end. Is it the focus or the concentration that's required on the, the routine ones that, that is the biggest challenge with that? It's just you think it's going to be so easy and you just lose track of your footwork or something else and it just throws you out of whack, but... Like on a spectacular place, you really don't have time to think. It's just all reaction. But when you actually have time to think, it's just slowing your brain down to focus on what you have at hand right then and complete that task. How about the offensive side of the baseball, Greg? Um, what have you been proudest of to this point of the year? You've, you know, you've hit for some power. You've, you've walked a fair amount. You're on base. Your slugging are pretty high for, again, first full year in baseball. Uh, definitely the power definitely surprised myself this year. Way too many strikeouts, but the power numbers are looking bright for the future. And what are you hoping to learn these last six, seven weeks at the double-A level? What do you, how do you think that will challenge you and help you kind of prep going into the offseason? Honestly, I'm just trying to have fun while I'm here, you know. Got moved up late in the season, and these guys already have a good mojo going. You know, I'm just trying to come in and keep it rolling with them. Um, I've heard great things from a lot of the double-A hitters about their interaction with Jamie Nelson and also uh, longtime coach there and former big leaguer Gary Ritas. What's your limited interaction been with them so far, and, and what have you thought? 
uh, well, I've always talked to Gary back at camp and all, so we have a good relationship. And Nelly's just been, you know, a bit open and open arms when I came into the clubhouse, you know, wanted to teach me everything that he had to learn. So, honestly, everything's been great so far. Well, hopefully it continues to go really well for you, Greg. We appreciate some time. Congrats again on the promotion, and thanks for being with us on This Week in Rays Baseball. Thank you. And that's Rays prospect Greg Jones, who so far this season has 14 homers, 28 stolen bases, and an 897 OPS between Bowling Green and Montgomery, and homered last night for the Biscuits, his first there. Coming up, Denard Spann on the Players' Alliance on their visit to Tampa Bay, Kevin Eibach on Pro Scouting in August, and Buck Martinez of the Blue Jays broadcast team on the AL East race. This is This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball, and when the Rays were on their last homestand, they had a neat event with the Players' Alliance, and joining me to chat about it from the Rays' front office is Denard Spann. And Denard, thanks very much for a few minutes. No problem. I appreciate you having me, Neil. First of all, tell me what it meant and what it has meant to see the Players' Alliance evolve and now grow over the last year. What would it have meant to, if, you, if it were around when you were playing? First and foremost, I think it's way overdue. I think, um, you know, this, this probably should have happened when I was playing. And, and I honestly, I wish that I was still on the field um, so that I could make a, a greater impact than, than I, I am able to do now. But, yeah, it's just been uh, awesome to, to see the things that they've been able to accomplish um, in a short amount of time. Um, we obviously saw you know, the, the big news during the All-Star break with the big grant money. And so, uh, you know, I think myself and, and everybody else is looking forward to uh, what the future is going to hold for the Players Alliance and the game of baseball. And as part of that, they, they're going on a tour of all 30 ballparks. The last homestand is mentioned. They were here at Tropicana Field. What did it mean the, the type of outreach they're now doing and, and how much do you think it can help kids in the game? I think it's important for them to, to, to be doing what they're doing now. Obviously, you know, things are not going to change overnight and it's going to take a lot of hard work from a lot of individuals. And so I think right now the, the plan is, is ground is ground roots and, uh, you know, starting with every city and community and where there's a major league baseball team. And, and um, so, yeah, I was just, grateful and, and excited to to be a part of it and, and uh, we had a good group at, at the trop last week and, and it just was a um, you know just a good time for for me to you know share my experiences and, and give those kids an opportunity to see uh, you know someone that looks like them play in the major league baseball they brought 24 kids from berg baseball in st petersburg to tropicana field as part of this event what stood out to you in, in getting to chat with them um, and getting to share your experience i would say just the attentiveness of, of those uh, young young boys and girls, and uh, just you know, you can just tell that they they are hungry for knowledge, and you know, you can tell they love the base baseball, the game of baseball as well. Um, I got an opportunity to speak with their parents and um, as well as their coaches, and uh, there were a lot of good questions when I was there. So yeah, just all around, it was a great time. Anything surprise you that you heard from the kids? I'm trying to think, um, I think more than anything, I. My message to those kids were, you know, just to, you know, be themselves, you know what I mean? And, and, and I tried to encourage them as well to, you know, stay, stick with baseball, stay with baseball, because a lot, you know, a lot of the kids today um, love football and basketball, of course. And so, you know, uh, Ozzy, Tim um, and, and myself, we were just trying to, uh, you know, talk to those guys about just, just how much the game of baseball has meant to us and, and blessed us and uh, just the longevity 
uh, guaranteed contracts, just just all of the, the, the positives that the game of baseball ha- has given us. And I think beyond that, they got to see examples in you and Ozzy that not only have played at the big league level, but also are doing other things at the big league level. You now in the front office and Ozzy on the coaching side. How helpful do you think it is there just to see those role models? I, I think that's that, I think that's just as important as getting a higher percentage of, of African-Americans on the field. I, I think it's uh, just as important that, you know, the, the youth sees – uh, coaches and, and, and front office guys and, and GMs and, and managers that look like them so that, you know, they realize that baseball can be an opportunity for them or there, there can be an opportunity in baseball for them. I'm sorry, because quite naturally, you know, everybody is not blessed to be able to play the game of baseball at, at a, you know, at, at a major league level. But if they see, you know, individuals that look like them there's other avenues there's other opportunities that the game of baseball can bring to them and when you were growing up in 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 tampa bay denard did you ever have a chance to meet a big league player um and and what would it have meant to you to to a 10 or 12 or 14 year old denard span i didn't i I never got an opportunity to meet my uh a major league baseball player when i was a young kid um i went to a couple rays games when the rays first came to town um, but I didn't. I didn't meet my first major league baseball player until I got drafted. So I try not to, you know, tell the kids that they are, you know, lucky to to have, you know, myself or Ozzy talk to them. But in reality, they really are because it's a once in a lifetime, I, I believe, opportunity, um, you know, for us to just to be able to pour into them and give them advice. And I'm guessing with events like the Players Alliance, I know you have a very strong foundation here in the marketplace too. Maybe there's an even opportunity there to partner too and help even more kids out going forward. That that is the hope. Um, honestly, that that honestly, I, I've talked to a couple of people with the Players Alliance, and we actually just reached out to them um, as of today to to help out with my foundation here here in town. So uh, I'm hoping that you know I, I'm the guy here in Tampa where the Players Alliance can can rely on. Well, it's great to hear, and it's wonderful that you had a chance to make such a good impression on the kids, and I hope things are going well in the front office too. It's been awesome, man. I'm, I've just been loving this opportunity, um, you know, being being in my hometown, obviously here in Tampa, and uh, just, just, just been awesome to watch the team play as, as well as they've played, and I'm just looking forward to uh, what the future brings. And that's Denard Span, and you can learn more about his foundation at DenardSpanFoundation.org and the Players Alliance at ThePlayersAlliance.com. The trading deadline is now two weeks in the rearview mirror, and uh, there's still plenty to do, though, as we're joined by Kevin Ibach, who oversees pro scouting and much more. Kevin, what's the focus here in August? Thanks, Neil, for having me. Yeah, I think the focus, at least for, for some of us in the first few days of August, was just to catch our breath from the trade deadline and, and certainly all the all the hard work um, from a large group of people that go into uh, preparing ourselves for the deadline and and then executing trades, um, you know, leading up there to the end of July. So I think everybody needed to press the reset button and just exhale a little bit for 48 hours. But now we're back focused on uh, on ways that we can help, uh, you know, help our organization in, in the month of August. And I think one of our focuses here is just looking at any potential off-roster deals that could still be had. I know it's not something that's uh, that there's a lot of movement in the month of August across Major League Baseball, but want to make sure that we we do our due diligence and um, are out there scouting folks across the game that are not necessarily on 40-man rosters and could be traded in the month of August. So so that would be our first uh, goal here um, heading into 
this month. And then certainly as we get to the back half of the month, we're going to ramp up our advanced scouting efforts to help us down the home stretch in September and, and hopefully uh, hopefully get to another postseason appearance and help with our advanced scouting efforts in that area as well. Let's stay on the, the August focus. You have signed a couple of guys for depth. One already is with the Rays, that being Evan Phillips. David Freitas was signed out of Korea, a catcher. How important are as many additions, I guess, as you can in this kind of very odd season? Yeah, obviously, like you said, Neil, coming off a 60-game season last year, we're, we're kind of in uncharted territory right now, um, specifically in regards to pitching. And I, I certainly want to make sure that we have as much pitching depth as possible, both uh, at the AAA level and at the big league level, um, in case injuries do pop up, in case um, you know fatigue sets in with some of our group. You always want to make sure uh, you have no regrets about leaving depth on the table. So we will we will be searching, um, you know, casting a very wide net, if you will, on on the pitching side of things and making sure we have a strong group in Durham that can supplement our major league roster. Is there much discussion at this point, too? You've mentioned the possibility of trades and obviously it has to be off roster. How much of that is looking really at this year and how much of it also is looking toward next year? Because you may have guys you can't protect on the 40-man roster that you, you are able to help your roster for future seasons by making some moves. Correct. And I, and I think that's where a lot of focus is with other teams when, when we're making phone calls is they see the amount of prospect depth that we have in our system. And and as you mentioned, that we won't be able to protect everybody um, as as is common commonplace um, in the offseason with us. And whether it's a Paul Campbell, you know, that we lost uh, this past season in the Rule 5, Stephen Woods prior to that. Teams tend to be active with our group of players when it comes rule five times. So anytime you can get ahead of those type of uh, transactions and put in some work in the month of August, all the way through the reserve list filing in November, you know you want to try to get ahead of it as much as possible. And I know you know we've done that before, whether it's now or whether it's in November, and you make a Christopher Sanchez trade that that nets us uh, Curtis Mead, who's had a really nice season for us. So you know you want to you want to finish it through and see it through the rest of the season and and make uh make moves here in august and that will set you up like you said not only for 2021 but certainly 2022 as well you know from a starting pitcher standpoint you're obviously ryan yarbrough is going to come back at some point um chris archer is building up and and likely hits to durham next Shane Boz could get built back up after coming back from the Olympics, so there is some depth there. Is there more of a concern about depth in the bulk area, or is there more of a concern about depth in the relief area with some of the guys you have coming back on that end? You know, honestly, I, I think we're pretty creative with our pitching philosophies and, and our usage of pitchers, and I don't think there's one area of pressing need more so than the others. We have a group there. You saw it with Dietrich Enns when he was called up you know, that can provide more of a traditional length role. You can also look at, you know, some of our shorter relievers there that will be able to step in and and contribute to the big league level in, in more of a traditional short role. So I think it's just a matter of accumulating as much depth as possible. And then seeing some of these rehabs, I know you mentioned Archer, but we also have, you know, Nick Anderson coming back and we have, you know, some of these guys coming off the IL, Pete Fairbanks, guys that contributed down the stretch to us last year. You know, injuries are unfortunate uh, always, but I think maybe the, the freshness of some of these guys that are coming off the IL, they'll have innings to contribute um, in September and, and, and hopefully October for us as well. Yeah, and in September, obviously, you go to a 28-man roster too, which I'm sure will help and keep guys sharp and fresh. Curious on your end from 
a raised perspective, how much of, of the focus is on looking at other teams right now and how much is looking at the raised players to have a really good feel for how guys have progressed, you know, in this first season back for many of them? Well, I think the old cliche that you need to know your players better than anybody else certainly holds true here. You know, I spent at least two weeks, two of the last four weeks in Durham myself, um, to the point where I think Brady Williams and his staff would like to kick me out there or charge me rent. But a lot of doing that is is to get a better feel for what we have down there, whether whether it's watching a Chris Archer start when he was on his first rehab assignment there, or whether it was watching a Dietrich Gaines, watching Brent Honeywell, you know, just watching some of the players that we have down there that either already have contributed or we expect to contribute down the stretch. Um, and not just on the pitching side, too, knowing knowing that we now have players that have already contributed and Fidel Brujan, Taylor Walls. Um, that were down in Durham on my last trip down there and seeing the progress they're making, some of the adjustments or or the feedback that we gave them on the way, um, sending them back down to Durham, seeing how they're progressing there. So certainly want to get our eyes on as many of those players as possible under our hood, while also being able to capture looks at, at some opponents as well. And the kind of guys that you're looking at right now, obviously you're looking for guys to help now, but are your guys also looking at a lot of other teams just to see young players because you mentioned a Curtis Mead you know a trade that happened you know a year and a half ago those kind of players often are the ones that you're you're picking up in some of these deals Austin Shenton you just got in the deal involving Diego Castillo yep absolutely I think that the complex environment in both Florida and Arizona um, provides a, a really nice opportunity for us to to dig deep on players there's you know, 60 plus players running around there on a lot of those backfields, um, you know, in those two states. And we devote a lot of our coverage this time of year to running those players down. The youngest demographic of players are, are also the players that tend to change the most throughout the year. It's the players that we have the least amount of information on. So getting looks not only early in the season, but certainly late in the season here has its advantages to seeing how a player changes. And, you know, whether it's a Curtis Mead or others that we picked up in the off season, being afforded those those August or September looks is really beneficial for us to make a proper decision and um, and valuation of that player heading into the offseason. And is we're halfway through the month, is September focused really on advanced scouting or is it focused on kind of uh, getting last looks at guys since the minor league season is going to extend a little further this year than normal? Sure. It's a, it's a, it's a longer season, as you mentioned. And I think that because of the support that we have, you know, from ownership on down of having a pretty robust scouting staff, we're, uh, we're able to divide up our scouts and have a certain group work on, on trades and a little bit of a longer picture view of prospects, whether it's at the complex level or, or whether it's at minor league uh, or separate group of scouts rather that are able to look at the advanced lens and start video review of a lot of potential playoff opponents and then transition probably halfway through the month into live looks and being back in the ballpark, which is something that we weren't allowed to do last year. So I, that'll be refreshing for our group to get back in the stands and being able to uh, scout through the advanced lens by actually being in the ballpark again. Kevin, good stuff. I'm sure we'll talk to you in September about some of the advanced work that you do. And uh, we appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball. Thanks for having me, Neil. And that's the race, Kevin Eibach. And time now to take a look at the American League East race. And joining us, Buck Martinez, who's been a player manager and, of course, currently a broadcaster. And he's done that for a long time with the Toronto Blue Jays. Buck, what's your assessment of the American League East? Because other than Boston, three out of four teams in the race are playing pretty well right now. 
You know, I, I just think, Neil, it's going to be one of those seasons like we've seen so many times in the past where it's all going to be down the last couple of weeks when things are decided. You know, with the Rays, everybody keeps shaking their head with the Rays going, well, how do they do it? And I think Kevin Cash deserves a lot of credit because he always makes the players recognize it's not about them, it's about the team. And no matter what the names are, they interchange all these different parts and then people step up and, you know, Brett Phillips is a great example of it. He's a guy that hasn't done much in his career. Comes to Tampa Bay and all of a sudden he's getting big hits and playing a, a little more than he has in the past. But, you know, the same goes with uh, uh, Yandy Diaz and all these different guys that have fit to make this team such a, a cohesive team. But, you know, and, and I think the Yankees are down a little bit. You know, I think the Yankees with all of their injuries and the inconsistency, and I don't think they're a very good athletic team. I know they went out and got Tim LaCastro, and then he got hurt, and they lost him. And But, uh, you know, baseball is about athletes. It's about fundamentals and executing and going first to third, and that's what Tampa Bay does so well. Toronto's starting to do that better. And, uh, you know, Boston, uh, I think they're a flawed team. Uh, they don't play very good defense, and I think down the stretch that's going to create problems for them. When you get in tight games and you're relying on your bullpen to close out games, the defense is going to be crucial, and I don't think Boston has a very good defense. I look at Toronto right now. They've got 10 games left with Baltimore. They've got all their games left with Detroit. The schedule appears to favor them. How much do you think that helps them down the stretch because they've been playing better? Well, you know, when you look at the schedule and the strength of schedule and all that stuff, you know, there's a lot of 500 or sub 500 teams on their schedule. But boy, with this young team, you just have to maintain your focus. And, uh, you know, We've just seen it with the Angels. They went into L.A. and split the four-game series out there, and, and then they go to Seattle, and, and, you know, you just have to stay focused. They came off a great homestand. They went 9-2 and two on the homestand the first time they were at Rogers Center this season. But, uh, you know, it just seems like it takes them a couple of days to get back into the swing of things when they go out west. So they're on a very, very important road trip after Seattle. They'll go to Washington for two games before they get back home. So, uh, yeah, the strength of schedule looks favorable. But at the same time, with these young players, you've got to keep your focus. No question. What's your feel? Can two, can three American League East teams make the postseason? Can two teams beat out Oakland or if it's Houston, whoever wins the West for the wild card spots. Boy, that's always going to be a challenge because it's going to knock each other off. And, you know, they're going to play each other down the stretch. And when you look at the, the wild card standings, I, I think the surprising thing is that uh, Oakland can catch Houston. I mean, they're still within striking distance. And then that really throws everything up in the air. But the team, I don't think, I think the Blue Jays can get hot. I don't see the Yankees getting real hot. I, I see them playing streaky. I don't think they have the consistent starting pitching to string together a real hot streak, where the Blue Jays do. Their starting pitching has been exceptional, and I think they can string together some games. But, you know, uh, Oakland had a big winning streak here lately, and they're putting pressure on Houston. So for three teams to come out of the East, I think that would be a real challenging time because I think those top four teams are going to knock each other off. You mentioned starting pitching. How big was the addition of Barrios? And how much of a difference has he made on some of the other starters? Because it's still a very young group. Yeah, it really is. And and Barrios is in his uh, age 27 season, in the prime of his career. And, and he's been a very, very uh, competitive guy, pitching in a lot of good situations, including the WBC for Puerto Rico. But 
he had a clunker out in Anaheim against the Angels, and just twice this season he has failed to go five innings. I mean, that's the consistency you want from your starting pitcher. But he adds a lot, and and Robbie Ray has probably gone under the radar, but he's been the most consistent Blue Jays starter all season long. So when you have Ryu, Ray, Barrios, Manoa has been a terrific surprise for them, and Stephen Matz, and currently Ross Stripling's on the I.L., with a little bit of an oblique injury, but the, the five-man rotation that's intact right now, I think, can compete with anybody in the division. How scary does it make if they make the playoffs? Um, because postseasons usually are about pitching more than they are about offenses. We know how good Toronto is offensively. Yeah, and, and I think for the first time in many years, the Blue Jays have starting pitching that could really excel in the postseason. Uh, Robbie Ray's uh, at times he's unhittable. Alec Manoa, a lot of people might not know this, but he's made 11 starts and set franchise records for the best start to a career mm-hmm. for a starting pitcher that includes great pitchers going back to Steve and Halliday and Clancy and Leal and all those great pitchers. And Manoa's pitched as well as any of them to start his career. So I think, you know, with Ryu's experience, with Ray's power, with Barrios's maturity and with Manoa's savvy and outstanding stuff. I mean, last time out, he struck out 11, set a new career high. So I think they could, if they get to the postseason, they could have a long run because of the strength of their starting staff. So, Buck, that said, do you feel that Toronto is the second team eventually out of the East to make it? Or um, is it New York? Is it Boston along with the race? Well, Neil, you know, as well as anybody, the Blue Jays always have trouble with Tampa Bay. It doesn't make any difference where they are in each year's standings. They can't beat the Rays consistently. And, and you know, we'll get down to the ninth inning and the Rays will be down by three. And all of a sudden they got the bases loaded and they get a big hit. But I, I think those are the two best teams in the division. I think that it's going to be, uh, you know, Tampa Bay's got the lead, of course, and, and you know, Everybody has to catch them right now. And it's, it's blossomed, uh, you know, coming into the weekend over five games. So that's a pretty substantial lead. So right now, I think the Blue Jays have to worry about themselves. They can't worry about what other teams are doing and just make sure they string some wins together. But I think Tampa Bay and the Blue Jays are the two best teams in the division. Well, it should be an entertaining final seven weeks. Buck Martinez, we appreciate some time on this week in race baseball. Neil, always great to be with you. And that is Buck Martinez, and we certainly thank him and all of our guests on the program today, including Rays reliever J.T. Shagwa, Arrested Destrada of Bally Sports Sun, prospect Greg Jones now with A Montgomery, Denard Spann, former Rays player, and of course now at the front office, and Kevin Eibach, who oversees pro scouting, among other things. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me, and you can do so at Neil Solons. On next week's program, you're going to hear from Kevin Kiermeyer and a whole lot more. Special thanks to my producer, Rob Roman, back at our studios and also on site, Steve Erskine and Becca Carney. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is coming up. Rays and Twins on the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front, four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio. With first and second, the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Keep it right here. The Rays pregame show is next.